Hello there, and welcome to the Joyfully Black Podcast, where we have candid conversations with Black women on nourishing their mental well-being while balancing career, family life, and community care. I'm your host, Joy Dixon, a public health professional turned woman in tech and lover of seeing people thrive in their zone of genius. Hello there. I'm coming to you live from Lisbon, Portugal today, where I've enjoyed thawing out in the sunshine, meeting wonderful new people, and taking long walks up all these hills. My allergies have decided to act up today, so please forgive me in advance if I sound a little stuffy. And since I'm on a mini vacation, I thought this would be the perfect time to share an earlier episode on burnout breakthroughs with Dr. Zidana Slay. Now, this is quite timely since April is Stress Awareness Month. As you know, stress is a natural response to life experiences that affect almost everyone. There's good stress that can motivate you to complete tasks, and then there's bad stress, which has the complete opposite effect. At high levels, stress can have a negative impact on your physical and mental health. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you're accustomed to pushing through stressful times when you should probably rest. Well, you're not alone. Whether this is your first time hearing this episode or it's already your favorite, please enjoy. And we'll be back with an all new episode next month. Today's guest is an administrative social worker and award-winning nonprofit professional whose civic leadership spans voter equity and engagement to mentorship. After graduating from college at the age of 20, today's guest achieved her dream role as a nonprofit executive director at 20 years old. Despite thriving in her career, Dr. Zadana Blay found herself plagued with imposter syndrome and burnout which led her research to explore the psychological stress among Black women faculty. She uses her platform to advocate against social wills and mentor the next wave of social workers. I also have to give a shout out to the United State of Women or USOW because Zadana and I serve as United State of Women ambassadors together. Today, Zadana will share her burnout breakthrough and the impact of faith, community, and mentorship on her journey. We also discuss the power of dance, self-forgiveness, and serving golden girl realness. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. So thank you for joining us today and welcome to Joyfully Black, Zadana. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good. So Zadana, I would really love for you to level set for our audience. And you have an extensive career in youth development and social welfare policy and nonprofit management, and you're currently in higher ed. What inspired you to choose a career um, path in these areas and specifically going into social work? Specifically social work, um, I give all honor and credit to my mother for that. Mm -hmm. My mom is a retired mental health social worker. So Mm -hmm. my first introduction to social work was actually that clinical piece of what social work could be. Mm-hmm. Not what the general public thinks it is in terms of child development and the child protection services of foster care, but just knowing that, that mental health piece of it. But mm-hmm. I knew that I didn't want to do that. Um, okay. But my mom, knowing that social work is so much greater than 
an individual. She introduced me to community. And so in terms of Girl Scouts, in terms of community development. And so my um, mentor that I uh, gained in the 10th grade actually taught me about community development and community organizing, something that we didn't hear until President Obama came around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here I am in 2000 learning about community organizing. And I said, you know, and I, I later joined a youth organization in high school um, that I said, I want to do this for a living. How can I do that? Oh, that's wonderful. I'm really glad to hear. And it sounds like because your mother was already in that social work space, that mental health space, you grew up hearing about different theories and practices. Um, Yeah. And actually, I'd love to really delve into that because you don't always hear. So growing up, was it common for you to have conversations because of her work around mental health issues? Or was it still something that you really didn't talk about? That was just mom's job. Well, no, we talked about it because when she went out, I knew what she did. You know, it was going to work with mom in between her battling with taking me to dance practice and picking me up for something after school because I was involved in everything under the sun. Uh-huh. Um, so, But I didn't consider it as mental health back then growing up. It was more so self-awareness so, mm-hmm. of who you are and knowing that, you know, being a black woman and knowing that my faith was important to me. And so mm-hmm. introducing me to church. And so it was that um, something that we teach in the social work realm of the biopsychosocial spiritual aspect. So it was really honing into who am I, who, you know, my body and all of that, you know, as a woman and, you know, who am I psychologically and socially making sure I had those outlets and then spiritually. So she tied all that in but it wasn't the sitting down with a notebook every day yeah. at dinner. So mm-hmm. how was your dinner? You know, how was your day at school? Uh-huh. And, you know, you know, it wasn't that way. But when I look back and I always, sometimes I'll just tell her, thank you, mom. And she's like, what did I do now? Aww. And it's the experiences and the exposure that she gave me. Mm-hmm. that I recognize that some young people didn't have growing up, um, even in my neighborhood, you know, on the same street as me or my mm-hmm. friends. And so because of that, you know, I look back and say, hey, that was what she was doing. Um, because she worked in it. And when we would go to the grocery store and mm-hmm. someone would stop and talk to her, I'd say, Mama, who's that? Oh, that's my friend from work. Now I know that friends from work were her clients. So, <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Wow. That is amazing. And, and you mentioned something that exposure at such an early age, because I think so many, so many women, Black women, women of color, you know, they don't talk about it. They know things are going on in the family. They don't, but, you know, you definitely had an advantage there. And um, and I know some of your research really delves into strong black woman schema. And I would really love to talk about that. And, you know, just based on on the term, just hearing it, I think a lot of black women can identify with some of those characteristics through their own lived experience. But can you share a little bit about um, your research and work and and how you see that that play out in in, in society today? Absolutely. Um, So we as black women have always been taught and told to be strong. Mm -hmm. You're going to be under a microscope twice as much because you're black and you're a woman. How do you handle that? You know, and so it's kind of that badge of honor that I'm superwoman. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to be Wonder Woman. I want to be superwoman. I can handle it all. But we don't realize the psychological and the mental health impact that that has or Mm -hmm. just the genetic because of what we've seen, mama, big mama, grandma, auntie, granny, 
everyone do over the years. And of mm-hmm. course, it dates historically, it dates back to slavery. Um, but we've seen the plight of the Black woman to always be the protector, mm-hmm. the provider, the nurturer. And when we do that, we find ourselves dealing with this emotional containment that I have to do it all. I can do it all, but I don't know that it's okay to ask for help. Mm. I don't want to say that I am stressed. I don't want to say that I'm tired because when I complain, I get backlash at work. My partner may leave me. I may not be good enough in the eyes of my kids or my friends. I don't want to bother anyone. And so, again, that whole cycle that it picks up on. And so it was a lot of uncovering that at the same time, Mm -hmm. we had a global pandemic. Yes. And so, you know, we had this COVID fatigue, Zoom fatigue that Uh we didn't know what it was, this unexplainable tiredness. But the the data and the research and other, other scholars in this area is telling me that this exists and it's okay. But it's a different feeling mm-hmm. at the same time we're also dealing with racial unjust and unrest dealing with it. So now I'm this Black woman trying to explore this, making sure we have space for this. Mm-hmm. How do I navigate it all? So my research actually looked specifically at Black women in higher education, Black women faculty mm. or teaching and the psychological stress that they may endure. So I looked at the strong Black women. Um, stereotype of emotional containment, vulnerability of not being able to speak out, not being able to cry or show um, emotional containment. And so how does that connect with um, or correlate with any sorts of uh, discrimination Mm -hmm. um, that may be placed in higher education? So that's specifically what I looked at. But when I, you know, you see it across so many different sectors. So that's kind of become my uh, platform to continue to speak out um, about. Yeah, I appreciate you delving into that for folks who didn't know the technical term. They just they feel it. Uh-huh. But they don't know that it has a name. And sometimes right. even naming it allows you to have that information to say, OK, I'm going to go on Google. And of course, we can go through the interwebs and find a lot of things. But at least now having a name for what someone may be experiencing as they're going through their day to day. And, you know, I often find that what appeals to us and what we choose to study or what we choose to involve ourselves in often has a tie to us. And, um, and I remember you sharing, you know, about a month or so ago about your own experience with burnout. And um, could you share a little bit about your own experience and, and how, and it's a journey, right? And, and, and how that was for you, how it's going and, and how you've been able to start to come through on the other side. Definitely. So my practice experience was nonprofit development. Um, my dream job was to be a nonprofit executive director. Mm-hmm. And I was blessed to reach that goal at the age of 25. Wow. But along with that, there were the things that I did not know that I would run into mm-hmm. from um financial woes of the nonprofit, Mm -hmm. Um, lack of board development, lack of professional development for staff resources. Mm -hmm. So having to come in and fix all of that. So being the fixer, being Mm. the um, Olivia Pope or the Judy Smith, who the role was uh, taken after of having to come in, but I'm also 25. And so I want to 
live a life and have a social life. Yes. That, that level of responsibility to whom, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. And so finding that balance. And so ultimately, um, and again, having the network, the resources, the supports, being a part of the community um, that I grew up in and working in it now, I was able to kind of navigate through all of that. Um, I went through the experience of not wanting to ask for help because I'm supposed to have the answer um, to realizing I can ask for help. It Mm -hmm. took some tears. It took some knocks. It took some bruises and physical health, some physical. Yes. um, You know, that that moment of looking myself in the mirror and not recognizing who I was anymore. Mm. Um, And actually, it wasn't looking in the mirror. It was actually a selfie. It was a selfie that I took while Mm -hmm. I was waiting for the doctor. Okay. Now I took that picture and I said, oh my gosh, I don't recognize myself. Really? It was that, it was that evident just from the selfie. From the selfie. I, I just did not recognize myself mm. because I was so much in zombie mode of mm-hmm. being there for my staff, being there for the clients, being there for the board, putting on a face of the community making sure that we raise money, that we meet payroll, that people recognize our brand and our identity. And so I'm pulled in all these different places, trying to be a friend, yes. trying to, to, to work in, in my community with my civic and social organizations. Mm-hmm. So trying to do it all, but not taking time to say, I need help. Let me vent. Let me unwind today. Whatever mm-hmm. that self-care is, I was neglecting that. Yeah. I didn't know how to turn it off. My brain was just go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. Everything was in a quadrant one of emergency, you know? So that's where I was. And and so, you know, although I found a little bit more energy to keep going, it was finally at that moment. It was finally a moment um, talking to my, that same mentor Uh that I got in the 10th grade. And I, oh, well, I take that back. It was right before my, 33rd birthday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Early 30s. Okay. Uh, right my birthday. I remember crying all day on my birthday. I was mm-hmm. out at lunch, just crying. I just I was not happy. Yes. I simply was not happy. So I went from not recognizing myself to saying, I could do this, I could keep fighting. Let me change some ways, some tactics, to then just realizing that I was not happy anymore. I love the work that I do. Right. I didn't love the feeling that it gave me something that sparked, something was missing. So I remember crying. Uh I remember speaking with my mentor and saying, Hey, I am not going to be able to continue in this. I have a whole 30 years of work ahead of me. Mm -hmm. The whole concept of being a real housewife is Uh there, you know, (laughs) Andy Cohen doesn't know who I am to cast me on a show so what you know what else is there for me to do and right why don't you consider teaching you have always been great you know in terms of speaking and teaching why don't you do that and I was like I'm not old enough I don't have gray hair Mm -hmm. sorry to any professors out there (laughs) (laughs) you can still be flying exactly which which I which I have learned yes so you know I um my alma mater, Savannah State, is nothing mm-hmm. like the pride and love and family from an HBCU. Oh, yes. Um, that took me in and said, hey, here's a semester. Um, we were, I was supposed to start as an adjunct, ended up as a, a full-time instructor mm-hmm. for a semester. And I said, 
this is it. I love it. But in order for me to stay in higher ed, mm-hmm. I now have to go back to school, get my doctorate. And so that's what took me on my journey outside of Savannah. Okay. To pursue that. But um, but yeah, that was really the long story <laughs> of kind of the, the burnout and the signs of for me, it was the the physical, it was the, the weight loss. Mm. Um, you know, it was the the emotional of is this depression? Yeah. Is this anxiety? Why does it make me feel this way? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Um, you know tension in my neck, you know, right. what, you know, so it was that. And then the, you know, for me to really tap in to say, I'm unhappy and it's okay to say that I'm unhappy mm-hmm. and make a choice that's best for me. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you going back and sharing your experience because I think many times, and I can attest to this even myself, because we are so accustomed to moving despite any discomfort we don't recognize those stress we don't recognize the burnout until we're almost like bawling on the floor in a ball or you know you're just you just can't go on and so those I would say the kind of like those those red flags that were there they're ignored we're like oh we can do it uh-huh. we can persevere yeah. I'm me you know um and so I would love to hear what are what are some signs of burnout that that our listeners should look out for if maybe they're in a situation is we're in the third year of the pandemic. Um, maybe they're, you know, in a job that they they do enjoy, but something's not clicking, you know, having various responsibilities. What what are some signs that that these ladies can look out for? And I would say it's a very thin line because there's that fatigue where I just need a vacation. I could come yeah. back refreshed. And then there's mm-hmm. the burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to that point of burnout, the constant irritability and that Mm -hmm. irritability in black women looks different. Our irritability is masked with a bit of anger. Mm -hmm. The tone Mm -hmm. um, may change. And so, and and, and even anxiety and depression looks different in black women than it does in white women. And so it's something that's often missed with medical doctors and having that conversation. And I'm so glad my medical doctor was in tune with me for that. Um, and they were, you know, they knew the work that I did. And so we always had time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we've seen a lot of work being done with um, mental health providers and finding, you know, um, that support. Back then, I did not have that. Back then, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't as as popular or it wasn't as accepted or mm-hmm. I couldn't find a Black therapist. I wanted to talk to someone who understood me. Yes. Um, so it, it, it wasn't as, as, and that was literally... 11 or 12 years ago. So, you know, not, not long ago where, where I really needed that. So um, there's also a piece with anxiety and depression, your gut health, G-U-T, your gut health. Mm-hmm. Are you nauseous, but you can't explain what's making you nauseous? Mm-hmm. And is it being misdiagnosed as ulcers? Oh, wow. Not necessarily ulcer, but it's just like that sinking feeling in your stomach. Yes. Again, and it may be, again, it may be diagnosed as acid reflux, maybe that same feeling, but it only comes up when you see that person at work, yes. that supervisor that bothers you, that board meeting that you have, that assignment, that routine assignment that you have, that's when it comes up. It's not because you're eating tomatoes or things that yeah. you're not supposed to eat. It's coming because of a feeling or a person. Mm-hmm. So those, those sorts of things, migraines, 
headaches, Mm -hmm. um, weight loss, blood pressure. I also had to accept the fact that I am hypertensive. I get it Mm -hmm. from my mama and my dad, Mm -hmm. both sides. I couldn't run away from it. So I'm hypertensive and I now have to really sit with that. You know, Mm -hmm. I, yes, I, I was managing time to work out every now and then. Right. Um, but no matter, I'm a healthy eater because of my parents being hypertensive. Mm-hmm. So why am I still dealing with this? So again, so being able to look at that, I would say that health mm-hmm. as well as that emotional um, piece. And then for those that do have that spiritual belief, tap into whatever that may be that keeps you spiritually grounded, um, whether or not it's a playlist. Now we have virtual services everywhere due to mm-hmm. the pandemic. Um, a certain podcast that gives you peace, but making sure that your plate is equally balanced in that regard, um, I think also helps. No, that's, I I really appreciate you delving to those symptoms um, because you sharing that the symptoms of burnout look different in white women as opposed to black women, you know, that is, that is something that a lot of folks are not aware of. And I mean, and, and also, it sounds like you really had an advocate in your in your medical practitioner, which which is amazing. And um, and definitely something that we'll we'll hone in on this podcast as well, because it makes such a difference mm-hmm. in, in health outcomes. And you mentioned something else that I'm going to pivot back to about this whole housewives thing. But we're going to we're going to get you thought I missed that. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. So I'm going to loop back to that <laughs> later on in our conversation. And. <laughs> And so once you once you saw that you were burnt out, you re- you you realized you were burnt out. You talked to your mentor. How were you able to make that pivot? I mean, because it sounds like as and I remember, I mean, being 25 and having that sort of responsibility and, of course, being civically engaged. And, you know, you're a part of so many different communities and doing this community organizing how were you able to make peace with saying, I'm not able to do it all and that's okay? So by the time I left, so I started nonprofit work. Well, I started as an ED at 25. So mm-hmm. by that point, I had about 10 years. By the time I decided to walk away, I was on my second executive director Um position at another nonprofit. And by that point I was reaching, I was going right into about 10 years of nonprofit work. Um, so at that point I was in my early thirties. And so, you know, your twenties, you are trying to figure everything under the yes. sun out and you think mm-hmm. you know it all because you're an adult. Mm-hmm. You don't want to tell even your friends that you're having these feelings because yes. no one else is dealing with this. So by the time my thirties came about and I decided to walk away it was a huge I mean it was literally I can't do it anymore yeah and then it was the worry of I don't have my next job lined up you know I Mm. I I don't know what to do Mm -hmm. it was a little bit of guilt that I do something wrong what could I have changed like that haunted me for Mm -hmm. a long time like it, it disrupted my sleep. It disrupted, mm. you know, my faith. It was a lot. It was a true test because I didn't know what was next. I said, out, hey, I'm just going to maybe teach a class here or two at Savannah sure. State, maybe do some nonprofit consulting. I'm going to figure this out, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, and, you know, I stayed true. I found, I ran it to my, I found a new church home. So I was, mm-hmm. you know, 
get into, you know, trying to, you know, so I'd stay true to that. Um, and again, making sure my plate was evenly distributed the way I wanted to. So family, Mm -hmm. faith, you know, friends, you know, reconnecting with friends again, Mm because I, you know, really, I wasn't the friendly friend. I don't have time to talk. I'm busy. Nope. Mm -hmm. Can't do it. You didn't book me out, you know, so being able to kind of spend time with that to mm-hmm. kind of pour back into me yes, um, really helped me um, to really get back to it. Um, you know, it definitely was not easy. Cause like I said, I just simply walked away, not knowing and the, and the guilt yeah. um, that I, did I fit and did I fail? It, that mm-hmm. was the biggest thing I have failed. And I thought about, I really saw myself aligning with child stars who don't make it. Really? And I was like, now I understand what happens with the pressure of being a child star mm-hmm. because you're in the spotlight. You're, you're always on, you're doing, you're doing, you're going, you're going. Mm-hmm. And then you reach, you know, for whatever reason, you know, um, for some, you know, some child stars that they've had issues with, you know, um, drugs and alcohol, sure. or whatever. you know, that wasn't the case for me, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like, did I end up being a failure? Cause I reached my, I felt like I reached my max or my peak. Mm. And so mm-hmm. what else is there for me? Again, there was nothing else for me. I didn't think there was anything else for me. Like, uh-huh. well, what's, what, uh, what's next? Right. What's the next thing to fulfill me? And so, yeah, so I, I definitely, I wrestled with that. But at the timing of it, this all happened towards the end of that year. So okay. around mid-November. Mm-hmm. So I was able to spend time with family during the holiday. Ah, okay. And, you know, really kind of get back into me. Mm-hmm. And so that really just helped me to plan out, um, you know, kind of take some time away from Savannah, mm-hmm. spend some time with family and friends. And that really helped me kind of chart my next um, piece, which was going to Savannah State and mm. teaching there. It sounds like you you took time to rebuild yourself and in a way reestablish your identity. Mm-hmm. As a professional, would you say, would you say that was the case? Yep. And it was about, you know, it wasn't a, a eat, pray, love moment. I forgot <laughs> how long uh, she was over there, you know, in, in the book and in, in the movie. Sure. But it was maybe about six weeks. You okay. know, I, I say it was about a, a six weeks, a little more, a little less. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely it was like one of those moments of. I got to get back to me and who yes. am I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to. Um, spending time with family and friends again, and then taking some time away from what was familiar to sort of sounds like re reset, reset your center. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you find to be helpful in that process on that path? Mm. I would say the, the, the one thing that I, that, that just stands out to me mm-hmm. above all my faith. Mm -hmm. above all my faith Mm -hmm. um because if it were not for you know the god that i believe in Mm -hmm. i would not have that strong sense of family Mm -hmm. knowing that my family's going to be there um to hey can somebody sleep over with me tonight i'm not you know i just i just need i just need someone in the house with me tonight to make sure i'm okay or can i sleep over Mm -hmm. can i come over you know tonight or mama what you cooked you know um i'm not hungry but my friends are going to make sure that hey let's go and get you something to eat 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it was not for that, I, I wouldn't have that sense of um, connection. Yes. Um, and even, you know, with me continuing to, um, you know, reach out to people who I've looked up to in terms of mentors and, mm-hmm. and be able to say, hey, this is where I am career wise. What do you think? Or here are my options or whatever. And for them to give that honest feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, which I have, I've learned along the way, you know, that honest feedback, it may hurt sometimes uh-huh. you have to sit with it. <laughs> but again, it's, it's what something that my mentor told me. And I tell him, I say it at least once a week, mm-hmm. I'd rather be respected than to be liked. Mm-hmm. Like if someone just likes you, they're done with you, you know, right. with respect. They're mm-hmm. like, Oh, she said it like that. Yeah. But I said it with all my values intact. Right. Mm-hmm. I said it and I said it keeping my morals intact. And looking back on that, mm-hmm. that's what gave me peace to know that I'm not a failure, that mm-hmm. I didn't mess up. So that really just helped me overcome that. I'm so glad to, to hear that. And a common theme I often hear with my guests and even with talking with other women who are on their own self-care and mental wellness journey is having a village of sorts. And so I would love to hear what other tools, whether it's um, people or or a podcast or a book, what other tools are in your sort of mental health toolbox? Or like I to say, what's in your pocketbook? We got to put, you know, I'm from, yes. the South. I'm, I'm from the South too. So, you know, you got to put, you put all your treasure in your pocketbook, right? Yes. So, yes, what, yes, yes. so what is in your mental health pocketbook that has allowed you to, to really walk this path and, and re- remain resilient during any times of adversity? Um, so gosh, when you said that, I, you know, you talked about that village's support. I, I, I chuckled a little bit because I have been very keen and aware to honor and acknowledge my village. And that also includes those who are no longer a part of my village, including um, those who've gone on to become my ancestors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I've gone through this journey of of graduating from school and moving into this position I'm in now, I've mm-hmm. been very mindful of keeping their presence, um, you know, at, at the forefront and thoughts with all that I do. Um, I'm a big podcast listener. Yeah. Um, I love a good playlist as okay. well. So keeping music depending whether, and sometimes it's a um, lo-fi beat, sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you know, just music, whatever the zone in, um, that I'm in for the day, my group chats, okay. I have three <laughs> group chats that bring me so much joy. Um, and it's different topics, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we, it could be, we could be very politically charged, very, you know, uh, dance driven academic, mm-hmm. you know, it's just whatever current events, of what's going on. Um, and of course the, the constant check-ins, um, you know, with my, um, mom, mm-hmm. you know, to, as that grounding piece of today's a really bad day. Today's a really good day. Or I'm just mm-hmm. calling to bother you today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would say those, those are like really my, um, my go-tos. I do have an app. Um, some, there are some apps that I use as well. Um, the motivation app, mm-hmm. um, that I have set on my phone. And so it gives maybe six to eight different motivational quotes throughout the day. It just pops up at, you know, um, and so sometimes it gives me, it's like, it reads my mind, like, how, like, are you listening? Like, 
So wow. sometimes it gives me that extra umph that I need in terms of a quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that definitely has definitely helped with my mindset and my thinking as well to say, mm-hmm. um, I can't do it anymore or I can't. Right. Oh, that's great. And I know that, you know, you mentioned um, before that you grew up taking dance class. You're an avid bar and Pilates person. I just actually started bar um, like last. Yeah, last week. I'm a Zumba girl, but I was okay. I I need to switch it up. I want to switch it up. So um, is 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 getting uh, in tune with your body and movement? Is that a part of your process as well or not so much these days? Not so much these days since I moved, but I'm mm-hmm. taking those steps. Um, mm-hmm. I have purchased a at-home Pilates reformer nice. um, because I don't know when I'll be able to get back into a Pilates studio, but mm-hmm. I miss, normally I was doing the Pilates um, on the yoga mat, but I mm-hmm. miss the actual machine to really help strengthen it. So yeah, so being able to do that um, and, and do some more virtual, um, so I found some virtual spaces for me to reconnect with that because Actually, through my burnout and all of that, the one thing that kept me centered was my true love for dance. And so whether or not it was going back before I moved from my hometown to be able to take a dance class, uh, learn some choreography. And so from there, that's kind of what um, really kept me connected of being able to say, I'm going to take a bar class. Sometimes I may take an adult ballet class. I actually looked up some classes in the area last mm-hmm. week. Um, so sometimes, you know, I still have my dance bag, my dance shoes. I, yes. you know, so I still, you know, I still will do it every night. And if a certain song comes on, I remember the choreography. I will break out in choreography okay. around the house. Remembering moves um, and stuff. Yes. Okay. So, you know, it, it, so that's one thing that definitely keeps me centered because if it were not for the discipline that I learned, that I learned through ballet, tap and jazz. I don't think that I would have gained that same amount of discipline to be able to be as focused work, career, or academically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so I'm so glad you you mentioned that. And I am going to ask you to to reflect on you know, advice you would have given your younger self. And something you mentioned a few moments ago earlier uh, while we were talking was about the Atlanta housewives. So you're saying, you know, you were considering other paths being on the cast of the Atlanta housewives was an option. Was no, that right? I okay. just said to be, to be any housewife. Like I, be you know, any like, housewife. Oh, I got in it. any city, you in know, the, city. you know, the single friend that just yes. kind of is on the show. Yes. That would have been me. Friend you know. of the show. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. You needed you know. something kind of low key and exactly. to be fabulous. Yes. Yes. Exactly. But no, I, I only asked for clarification because, you know, we all have more interesting lives than we think. And, you know, people will say things in passing and then you're like, wait, what did they say? No, 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 no. In the back of my mind, in my uh-huh. pretend world. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. In your pretend world. No, I right. totally get that. And so I, I would love to hear if you could turn back time and really maybe talk to before you were 25, maybe talk to your, your 20 year old self about mentally nourishing yourself. Knowing everything that you know now, what would you tell her? So I'm actually, I know you said 20, mm-hmm. but I'm going to take it back to probably age 19. 
Okay. And I say mm-hmm. that because I was 20 when I graduated with my undergraduate degree mm-hmm. and 21 when I finished my master's. Okay. So right at that point of 19 and getting ready to get to my final year of undergrad mm-hmm. to really, you know, I would not have changed a thing in terms of finishing school so early, Sure, but to enjoy the ride um, a little bit more and savor those moments. It's kind of mm-hmm. what I find myself as the auntie yeah. of telling of telling people when they're posting everything on social media, or they spend mm-hmm. more time taking photos for the gram than they do enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. We didn't have phones. Well, we had phones, but the pixelation on the phone back then. Awful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to be able to enjoy the ride a bit mm-hmm. more. Like I was so excited to once I was acknowledged for an award or mm-hmm. I got something at work or I was able to, you know, secure a grant. Mm-hmm. It was great. Next fire, next university. Yes. It wasn't, you just got a huge grant from the state. Enjoy it. Yes. Or you just overcame or worked out this situation or you just helped find this forever family for this child in foster care, whatever it may have been for me to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And whether or not I could enjoy it with my favorite meal from Chipotle, something yeah. as simple as that. Sure. You know, but to be able to do that more, mm-hmm. I, that has been a game changer for me to say, I did it. And to, and to tell myself that I'm proud of me, not yes. expect that gratification from other people to not mm-hmm. be that people pleaser, but to please myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and to please him. So absolutely. And so essentially you're you're saying to you would tell her to celebrate the wins. Are there any wins that you're celebrating now? Right now, at this given moment, all of my syllabi are published, they're out in the world. Mm-hmm. So that deserves a little clap. I'm going to it enjoy does. some of my some of my favorite television tonight. Uh-huh. Um, to kind of disconnect and just kind of do that. That hey. The students have their syllabi, uh-huh. whether or not they read it, you know, <laughs> it's there. <laughs> it is. No, that is a win because my, my friends in academia, they're like, they, you know, you really do put a lot of effort and time and intention into developing it. So no, I, that's, that's worth a round of applause yes. for sure. Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's today's win. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And there's a quote that I love by Gene uh, Bolin that says, when you discover something that nourishes your soul and brings you joy, care enough about yourself to make room for it in your life. And so what nourishes your soul so much that you absolutely create space for it? Hmm. Oh, that's a, t- you are asking some tough questions, Ms. Joy. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I love that question. Oh, good. Um, but the first thing that came to mind, I was like, oh, maybe I need to see something more prolific. But the first thing that came to mind, honestly, mm-hmm. um, my students mm-hmm. and I take it, my students all the way back to the, um, the youth organization that I said that I joined in high school. Yes. I had the opportunity to also become an, a graduate advisor. So Uh I was one of three um, individuals who graduated from the program, went off to college, and Mm -hmm. then we came back and served as an advisor for a few years. Mm -hmm. But the relationships and uh, big sister, little sister, auntie, 
other mama, whatever it may be, relationships and mentorships that I have with them who are now going through life challenges of having kids and Mm -hmm. divorces and death. Mm -hmm. um, They still, you know, we are still a part of that family. My, Mm -hmm. you know, students who I have taught, you know, for them to reach out and to reconnect and say, I'm getting married or I'm having Mm -hmm. a baby or whatever, or I'm getting a new job or look what position I have, or you told us so, you know, or thank you. And so that gives me that rhyme and reason to continue to do what I do, to continue to pay it forward. You know, I, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not a real housewife, um, <laughs> I don't have that big check to write. I'm not a philanthropist mm-hmm. in that regard. We'll like, say yes. Know, we'll say yes. Okay, yes, yes. Yes. You know, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. So because I can't do that, uh, write that big check per se, this is like my, my pay it forward, not mm-hmm. only for the profession, but for black women, mm-hmm. um, black men, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, but then even, um, but not even black, um, men and women, other persons of color yeah. or even white who, um, can identify with me in some way. And mm-hmm. so for me to be as transparent as I, as possible that I can be while still having boundaries and while still right. being respectable with it, um, mm-hmm. that's what continues to keep me going and keep me thriving. That's great. So it sounds like having those relationships is is what you create space for that quality time and knowing that you're making a difference in these people's lives. That is that is amazing. I'm an elder millennial. They don't know how to take me like she's cool. She's aware. She knows. Mm -hmm. But she gives this golden girl vibe, too. Not golden girls. Got to give a rest, shout out to Betty White. Rest in peace, I, Betty. Yes, because I, I love my golden girls. Yes. She gives out this golden girl vibe too. So when, uh-huh. so I, I make sure that they understand I was groomed and raised by baby boomers. Mm-hmm. So I have that backing. Yet I'm an elder millennial mm-hmm. now educating and working with younger millennials and now mm-hmm. Gen Z. Yeah. So really being able to do that. And this is, you know, I am here to make you uncomfortable to get comfortable again. Mm. So you may hear the word no. Mm-hmm. You may hear the word I can't. You may hear the word let's improve or you did something wrong. And it's okay because that's how you grow. And so they know that to really know, okay, you know, but it's but that trust is being built. Absolutely. That, that rapport is being built. And, you know, where I've had students, our former students are um, not students per se, but, but mentees sure. who I've advised from, um, from youth organizations who mm-hmm. have called me once they got off to college and made some mistakes, sure. um, you know, from legal tra- problems mm-hmm. to whatever to say, mm-hmm. what do I do? How do I navigate this? Mm-hmm. Call your mom and daddy. I don't want them upset with me. You know, right. need to make that phone call. How do we have that conversation mm-hmm. with them? Um, I've had mentees that have uh, questioned and struggled with their sexuality and mm-hmm. how do they find that support and that community and, mm-hmm. you know, where do they, you know, work with that? So being able to just navigate them on those life issues and I can sit back and say, they trusted me for mm-hmm. that, you know? Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the line, there was that respectability, not just, oh yeah, I like her. She's cool, but right. no, she's going to be honest. Yes. And it's that no filter. Mm-hmm honesty yeah absolutely that's great yeah I, I see like how much you're you pour yourself and I'm glad that you've come to a point where you also allow other people to pour back into you that is so key 
A question I always ask my guests is related to seasons and how in in life we have specific seasons. And as you reflect on this phase of your life, what is bringing you joy? Hmm. Joy in these questions. Mm, mm. So each year I do a, a word or a theme. I mm. don't do resolutions or anything <laughs> like that. Um, I, I do a word or theme. So presently, as we are now entering into 2022, mm-hmm. um, my word for the year is self-forgiveness. Yes. So being able to really look at um, past traumas, you know, the, the younger version of Zadana and, mm-hmm. and digging deep and not mm-hmm. holding on to that guilt or that fear, the imposter syndrome, the failure, as I kind of walk into um, who I'm, who I am becoming in this season now is self-forgiveness. So I think my ability to be more self-forgiving of myself, mm-hmm. didn't even say it like that, um, yes. and, give, and, and extend grace to me, um, mm-hmm. not excuses. I think right. I get that, that's my new thing of how do we get excuses and grace yeah, what's what's that? What's that the thin exactly, line? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. So being mm-hmm. able to I know you know, sometimes someone may your listeners may say, oh, self-forgiveness, how does that bring you joy? But I'm okay with it. Yes. And thinking about what that will bring me, how it will free me mm-hmm. to be able to love more, mm-hmm. give more, absolutely um, care more, rest more, mm-hmm. uh, not worry as more. So when I think about what that will bring me, you know, joy. No, that's great. And I, I think the practice of, of self-forgiveness does bring joy because you are letting go of those expectations of what was, mm-hmm. what you thought things should be, mm-hmm. being content and not content in a lackadaisical way, but being satisfied where you are and the path that you are currently on, because it's still going to be a testimony to, to someone. Hello. You know, mm-hmm. and am I going to get it right every time? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, will I make some detours? Of course. Yes. You know, we we all have that. So yeah. Absolutely. My my favorite phrase is, you know, when something unexpected happens, life's just yell plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even when you're stressed, just sometimes you know in the, in the midst of it. So no, that's great. I think self forgiveness is so key, and a lot of folks forget to extend themselves the same grace that they give to others. So you yep. taking that step in 2022 is commendable. Well, I'm so glad you were able to join us today, Zazana. How can folks um, continue to connect with you online? So I have a um, Instagram as well as uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, very simple, at Dr. D-R-Z, as in Zadana Slay, S-L-A-Y. So very simple um, on Instagram and Twitter. Please feel free to connect. Um, a lot of the other work that I do is terms of advocacy work for mm-hmm. issues, Black women, political, um, voter education pieces as well. So that's kind of my uh, my jam that I like to share there. Well, thank you, Dr. Zadana Slay. Great last name. Thank you again for joining us and can't wait until the next time that we chat again. Thank you. Thanks again for joining Joyfully Black this week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give a five-star review and share with a friend. 
And be sure to visit our website, joyfullyblk.com, where you can subscribe to the show at Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast so you'll never miss a show. Until next week, stay in the black, y'all. <laughs>